On this episode of Pounding the Table, we'll be discussing the most important news, a look at which companies are going to benefit the most from AI, up-and-coming earnings from CrowdStrike, Sentinel One, Zscaler, Salesforce, and Qualcomm, and take a deep look into the phenomenon that's resurfacing around Go Woke and Go Broke. Let's get into it. Down 1.7% here, a loss of 37 points or so. Apple shares are just getting hammered this morning. We're down by between 3 and 4.5% generally across these markets. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. We went call out this idea of woke capitalism. There will be fewer and fewer jobs that a robot cannot do better. Um, that, that's simply the, the, and I want to be clear that these, these are not uh, things that I think, that I wish would happen. These are things, simply things that I think probably will happen. And consumers don't want politics with their product. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season three, unofficially episode 76 of Pounding the Table. We explore the intersections of business, stock, and crypto markets, and discuss the news from the past week. It is, of course, Memorial Day weekend. We are back in the booth after a much-needed three- to four-month uh, window here where we took off, Joey. But welcome back. It is Saturday, May 27th. Obviously, a lot of news has happened in the past few weeks, few months. I sent you over about 100 different headlines. And starting here with the U.S. debt ceiling, they just moved that back from June 1st to June 5th. I think that gave a little optimism. It definitely helped calm people because now, you know, they were getting some slack for taking this long weekend. You know, everybody ended up leaving, going on vacation. They're like, well, how could you do this with the deadline being on Thursday? So this pushes it back. So they've got all next week, that weekend, and then, you know, June 5th being a Monday. So yeah, it did buy them some time. It did help calm people. And it could be what helped us, you know, sustain somewhat of a rally in tech at the end of this week. Ron DeSantis announced his 2024 presidential run live on Twitter. Heard there was a few hiccups. I just saw the highlights. I wasn't tuning in live. They had so many people trying to jump on at the same time. It kind of crashed things. So it's a very good problem that they had. And I find it funny that people are trying to trash it, that like, you know, it was some disaster. Now it seemed like it was very scripted for DeSantis and it wasn't just like a natural speaking, but I mean, look, the guy just announced his presidency, of course, you know, there could be some nerves that go into it. But I think the funniest thing come of it is Trump's social media team is second to none. And I've been seeing nonstop (laughs) retweets, Donald Trump Jr. So, you know, Donald Trump hasn't really come back to Twitter. I've heard rumors that he's going to come back just to help amplify his campaign. But Donald Trump Jr.'s Twitter account is just absolute gold of these videos and memes just absolutely trashing Ron DeSantis. And I mean, you know, I I don't know which candidate I'm going to be supporting or anything like that along these lines, but I got to say it is, it's very entertaining just to see how creative they can get and how quick they act. You know, it goes back to when Trump was originally debating and he assigns these nicknames to people that just absolutely stick. And, and just to see how they're doing it again and how fast they're doing it, it's I mean, you know, it's just impressive. It's just funny how fast they, they've been acting on it. Yeah, this happens every primary, right? It's, it, and it's so funny. Politics as usual. Every single primary comes up. All the candidates hate each other and then they're on stage and then they pick them as their running mate. So <laughs> enough about politics for now. We're going to get into that a bit later with everything that's happening. Back to tech for Apple. They extended a multi-billion dollar deal with Broadcom over 5G parts with chips. 
Netflix alerted customers today that no more passwords. So no more Netflix and chilling. It's going to be $7.99 a month. That's been in talks for, for quite some time. They've been on a heck of a run. And literally, I got a text this morning from my mother-in-law saying that, you know, she had to update because, you know, we all share the same account that my in-laws use. Um, it was just like an added fee to add more households. So, you know, it's still a pretty good deal if you add households to your membership, but it's definitely going to work for Netflix because there's nothing more annoying than I've got three kids with these Amazon Fire devices. We've got all our TVs. So like it's not as bad or I guess as annoying as people thought it would be for Netflix. And they also had a very strong pickup. I think they said they already had 5 million people using their ad supported, their new ad supported program. Well, realistically, with how easy it is to pay family members with Venmo and Cash App, that was the kind of intention what they did over the past several years, knowingly that people were doing this. So. Uh, whatever happened with their gaming sector? I do remember them, you know, saying that they were going to make a big push into gaming. And the last headline I found was from March 2023 saying Netflix set to release 40 video games this year and a total of 70 are in development. I don't know anything about that has changed. You know, a lot of companies over the last couple of months have been reducing spend in certain areas or completely selling off units like Facebook or Meta. On the unloading the acquisition of Giphy that they had made and, you know, taking a big loss on that just to unload it. So I'll have to see if there's, you know, any update on that part. But I don't see how they could go against that just because they do need that new vertical for, you know, high growth. But I remember Google tried to launch in this. I think Amazon tried to launch into it. It just hasn't been all that successful. So it might not be the right time for them to do 70 games, but. Roku's just sitting there, and I always wanted Google to acquire them. Netflix has been tied into them as well. They've had a deep relationship for the longest time. Roku was a project within Netflix, but you know they weren't going to support it. So the CEO ended up just like taking that as you know as his side thing and turning it into an actual company. I don't think Netflix would do that, and I wouldn't want them to because they're this pure play streaming company. And by doing that, then they'd be in the hardware business. And the margins would be significantly lower. So I would not want Netflix to do it. I could see Google or Apple or someone that's already in hardware or wearables that, you know, have the manufacturing capabilities and relationships. But I think, I mean, I just wouldn't want to see them. Roku, it's a great business, a great product, but it's not a great stock and not something I would want to be putting my money in right now. I just think with the amount of data that Netflix has, being able to push that directly as, as a huge ad wing for them as they're starting to get into that space right now. Alphabet and Uber partners, so Waymo and Uber are going to be providing the product via Uber's platforms. It's pretty amazing. And if you think, you know, what's the big expense for Uber? It's the driver. So if you've got this autonomous thing that completely removes the expense of the driver, I mean, that is something that could be special, very high margin business. And Uber's already putting up amazing numbers. Like it went from just this cash incinerator into this amazing operation. So Dark, he's just absolutely turned that company around and Travis was great, but yeah, hats off to Dara. He's, he's put up a heck of a performance. Uber is going to be on every single person's first screen. They are up 50%, 51% year to date. All-time high was about 60. The other thing is, I mean, they're about to be a monopoly because you look at what Lyft is doing. They've just 
absolutely horrible operation. Terrible numbers nonstop. And now they've got plenty of money to be operating for quite some time. And yeah. I don't see Lyft just going away. I see someone buying them eventually. And you could see one of the other big automakers or big tech companies taking them out. Just add that. You know, that would be a cool thing if like X.com does come back, like Elon Musk is saying, and he wants something else to go with the super app, then Lyft would be a great feature to go with it. But I mean, that's all speculation. And again, you never want to invest in something based on a future acquisition. Like if that's how you think you'll make your gain. So the Lyft and how horrible they are doing, it just shows Uber is the bird. You know, even if you're going to take a list somewhere, you call it Ubering. So it, it just shows, you know, their dominance and, and just how great of an operation Uber actually has. Meta is creating their own little Twitter. So Meta just feels like, even though their stock's been crushing it, all the news flow is so negative. I feel like every time you look up, they're laying off staff, which does help the stock price go up. But it just feels like bad news flow after bad news flow. But they're starting to launch this Twitter clone. You think there's any uh, competition here? I don't think it's going to last. So they do this. That's just what Meta does. You know, if there's another feature that they could add, I mean, think they did this to Snapchat. Snapchat. Yeah, they did it to Snapchat. They launched Hobby, which was a rival to Pinterest, which then they killed off. You know, they launched the dating service, which was supposed to be the death of Match.com's group of companies. They just do this nonstop. And, you know, some things absolutely take off. Like, you know, their filters... Instagram stories, all that stuff has been amazing. But then there's other features like hobby or something that doesn't pick up and they just kill off. Or, you know, just like Giphy was a cool acquisition, but then they realized we don't need this. We'll kill this off and sell it. So yeah, the stock's been great. I just think, you know, it got so undervalued. I mean, I want to say the market cap got down to being in the 200 billions, like upper 200s. And you look at just how much cash that company produces, just like the value of Instagram alone, Facebook still has, what, 2 billion users. So their properties are still incredibly popular. I don't think they're even monetizing WhatsApp yet. And you think of the potential there. It's an amazing company and it's by far my largest position. So I'm, I'm not just trying to push my book. But, you know, it's one of those that people were like leaving for dead and it just made absolutely no sense. We got to get into NVIDIA. Obviously, I think that was the news of the week. I mean, just this AI has been trying to make some noise and everyone's been whispering going up to people at parties and being like, yo, you guys do chat GPT, but we're starting to see things really take off. And NVIDIA, obviously a huge piece of what they do as well as chips we'll be talking about here later. But NVIDIA, they didn't blow like crazy out of the water for the revenue, right? It was more of the guidance. Yeah. If you look at the actual quarter, like it wasn't great, but that was all about guidance. Like their guidance beat expectations by over 50% on revenue. Like, it was just amazing. It's all driven by, you know, all these data centers updating everything that they've got in there to NVIDIA stuff. So it just shocked the world. And you saw, I was actually listening to CNBC going into the report. Everybody was saying the stocks had this huge run, you know, it's so overvalued. You shouldn't be owning this. A bunch of people on Twitter were saying the same thing. And, you know, it was just so overly negative. But as soon as that guidance was released, it was shocking all. And that stock just absolutely took off. I don't know. I want to say it added $180 billion in market cap a single day, which is just incredible. And it's, you know, within spitting this, you rarely see that with these huge market caps. And yeah, when you're talking total value, I, that's got to be one of the biggest days of all time. 
I saw someone on Twitter. I gotta, I gotta find who it was to give them a shout out, but they brought up a really good point too, because they didn't just guide like a little bit up, right? They, which they could have done and then beat it again. So like people were saying, okay, shit, if this is what they're guiding with, they must know they're about to even beat that by a long shot too. So you saw it. Yeah. Even Especially in this environment, you know, people follow the UPod method under promise over deliver. But right. this was one, this was a massive promise. So it's, that's the thing, you know, if they're even going to beat this, that's going to be an amazing quarter and something to see. But like you said, AI is kind of like the big theme of the year. The other thing, the, you know, the woke capitalism type movement. I mean, those are definitely the two big driving forces around the market right now. Real quick, before we get into the go woke, go broke section of the podcast, AI, this, this is something, I think this was earlier in the week or last week now, but the AI fake image of an explosion in DC at the Pentagon, which was false, right? But that shocked all the algorithms and everything kind of sold off momentarily. Like this happened earlier too. There was an example of who was the company that Costco's hot dog. The Costco's, yeah. It was so like a $13 billion company. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And you think, you know, it could be market manipulation. It could just be to shock the public. It's very interesting to see how they're going to combat this. But yeah, if you've got. AI is so good. Like you see all the new features Adobe has with its Photoshop software and different AI features. Like you can create anything on top of real image or it can create a new image entirely. Mm -hmm. So I have a feeling, you know, there could easily be manipulation using this and, you know, they could target specific companies just like in Costco's was just a funny tweet saying the price of the hot dog was going up and it moved it where this was, you know, something more about striking fear in the market. Like imagine if that explosion or the fake explosion would have been, you know, like in front of the New York Stock Exchange or something like mm -hmm. that would have been even more significant. But I mean, you can't really have a circuit breaker based on fake images on social media, but it's just a brand new challenge that's going to be put in front of regulators. And yeah, I mean, this is a this is something where I'm glad I'm not the one that has to figure out what to do. Maybe this would be the use case for blockchain to show that it is authentic, you know, you almost need AI constantly analyzing to know if it's fake. The other thing is like, you know, talking AI and AI generated text, I've actually used ChatGPT and then put it into one of those systems that tells if it's written by AI or not. And it straight up says this was written by a human. So like even the AI detection ones can't detect if it's AI. So that's something I've looked into being in content management and getting a lot of different work from freelancers seeing their work is a lot faster than it used to be. Could this be helped by AI? And a lot of companies don't have any rules against it. Mm -hmm. uh, but using these AI detection things and seeing, oh no, yeah, it's written by a human. It's like the AI is so good that it's written as if it is a person. Apple is saying that employees cannot use chat at GBT and, and a few other companies are starting to ban it as well. It's going to be somewhere where companies need to accept that it's going to be there. Like, of course, you don't want someone, say it's like a copywriter, you don't want them just getting paid a hefty salary to then just type in, hey, write me, you know, an ad on this. But it, I mean, it's like calculators in schools. I find it dumb that they're still teaching cursive and how to do things by hand when you've got these calculators. I feel like they need to just show these employees how to be more efficient using specific AI and maybe have less of a staff to do specific jobs and train a smaller workforce with AI. Well, and that's always the 
fear. I went to an awesome conference by a co-founder I used to work with, Noah Breyer here in New York. And obviously that's on people's minds, but he really started the whole conference talking about, hey, let's take a look at the positives of where this can be really an accelerator in our lives and in our workflow, right? Because if people can start to produce a lot more and better work, that does seem like a good thing, but then it gets into that you know, conversation about, okay, if one person now do the work of five people, do four people not have jobs now, right? And well, that, so you got to think with a remote first world, you've got a lot of companies and I saw firsthand at a company I used to work at where, you know, they're hiring more people to do, you know, the job of few because so many people are just off doing other things during the day, just not all that efficient at home. But if you've got something like AI that can make a single person more efficient, rather than having a 10 person team, you might have two people armed with AI that are doing the work of many. I saw something, uh, someone on CNBC was talking, they were talking about how all these entry-level positions that are being replaced by AI and how that could impact like what the normal or acceptable rate of unemployment is long-term. Mm -hmm. But then you've got the other side. Okay, if the normalized rate of unemployment is X due to AI, then all these entry-level positions that are gone or entire industries that end up disappearing Will those people then move into a different field? Unlikely. So that's where then I saw like the very strong debate for, you know, universal basic income and like these these companies that are massively profitable, they'd have to almost use it to fund this. And then you kind of get into the whole socialism type sphere, yeah. which is not ideal. But I mean, that's how significant AI is when it comes to adding efficiency to organizations. So they can't ignore it. But I mean, you don't want to just have someone on payroll to have someone on payroll. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. This could be a tale of two companies here. But Microsoft goes on to kick ass and everyone's doing one and a half, two times their speed and Apple's not allowed to use it and their work's not as fast as... I don't know. It's, it's very interesting to think about though, because these companies that have so much money, they don't want to get left behind. And when they have billions of dollars to spend and to throw at this for R&D, it's only going to get it faster. And it's almost like a war of technology that they're going to have to not get one up by this other company. So, well, think about the headline that you even put. You put that Apple won't let employees use chat GPT. What if that's just because they're developing something in-house or right, something in-house? And that's what they, yeah, they want them using <laughs> Apple GPT or iGPT, whatever it is. Just like Google could come out saying the same thing, but they could all be using Bard and these other ones. So very specific, the headline that's in there. So it makes me think like, they're not saying they're not allowed to use AI. It's just ChatGPT. And that makes sense because why would Apple use a company that's then just feeding Microsoft? Because you know the, the feud between Jobs and Gates from the long term. So that could just be why. They just don't want something. Because I mean, I've seen a lot of bad deals in my time. So... You know, Microsoft put a total of $13 billion into OpenAI and they get 75% of OpenAI's profits until they recoup their $13 billion, but then they remain, you know, owning 49% of the company. So to see how fast ChatGPT has taken off and how big OpenAI could get, that's a pretty sweetheart deal for Microsoft. And I think long-term, they just acquire the rest of the company, but... It's very interesting to see how great of a deal Microsoft got and how early. Then you look how OpenAI was founded as a nonprofit by like Elon Musk and some other people. And now it's a for-profit. So it's very confusing, but mm. I mean, here it is and it's not going anywhere. 
Other big news, obviously, of the week, Target, and before that, even Bud Light. If you've been on Twitter, you've probably seen the hashtag, go woke, go broke. A lot of companies have been moving towards social equity, focused on ESG, and we're seeing the stock take a hit and kind of do the inverse of, of what the intention was, if that is the intention, right? So are companies actually doing this because they believe in it, or are they doing it to ultimately make a dollar? And we can see this with Bud Light. They initially lost like $6 billion the first few days. I think it's up to $15 billion now that they've lost. Target recently lost like $10 billion, and that's more recent, right? So that can continue. And it's very interesting. You've seen this happen throughout history. We had Nike back in 2018 with the Colin Kaepernick. Pepsi did something with like giving a, a Pepsi to a police officer and they had like backlash. Like Jennifer said, said basically companies should just kind of stay in their own lane because there's been a lot of videos on Twitter, a lot of people causing commotion on both sides you were talking about. Yeah, it's not it's not a good situation for companies to try to I mean, they could try to be doing good. I feel like, you know, anytime any specific campaign is chosen, they think they're doing the right thing. But I think all companies need to realize, like, you know, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. They don't want to go off and anger a specific group of people, whether it's small or big, anything like that. I feel like Michael Jordan had the best stance back when, you know, he wouldn't in endorse a specific political candidate. And his reasoning was Republicans buy Nikes too. And I mean, that's genius that even looking back on that today, I mean, a lot of these companies are getting a lot of slack. And if they reverse their strategy because of the backlash, then, you know, the group that felt like they were supported by the move, then got their backs turned on them. So it's, it's not good. And yeah, it's just happened with Target. They pulled everything off in, initially as well. Like the flip-flopping seems to have made it worse. And mm -hmm. then you see, yeah, the stock, I want to say it just hit a new 52-week low on Friday. It's not a great situation to be, you know, in the headlines. And then out of nowhere have like a song about boycotting your store in the top 10 on iTunes. Uh, like it's pretty extreme out there. And I don't envy that position, but I think other companies will take notice and think, maybe social issues aren't the ideal place to try to not even pick a side, but like, you know, play into specific. Yeah. I, there's no good way. Yeah. It's obviously a touchy subject, right? And, and no one wants to talk on it. So maybe we should stop talking on it, but it's something <laughs> that's happening. It's impacting stocks. So it's worth yeah. mentioning and like, yeah, keep an eye on your companies. Let's bring it back. We got a few questions here from the audience each week. You guys can DM us questions throughout the week, but We'll shoot an email. So if you guys are not following us, go to poundinthetablepodcast.com and sign up. You guys can shoot us emails with some questions. So first one comes in from Danny S. in Miami. He said, I saw NVIDIA and the chips have been absolutely flying, understandably. However, it seems like Qualcomm's taking a little bit of a laggard. They do have the most exposure to China. But is there other reasons? It definitely seems like an undervalued company right now when you look at you know just about every chip stock is taken off. Thing with Qualcomm is it's directly tied to Apple. I want to say 20% of the revenue comes from Apple and you know iPhones and all the technology that's in there. I don't see them as one that has like a huge play on artificial intelligence, like an NVIDIA or even Marvell Technologies took off last week. But yeah, I thought because like all semiconductors and everything related to it have been taking off that Qualcomm would have been one of them. But you know, it, it definitely hasn't. So it's one that I'm watching closely. 
and was debating throwing out a position this past week, but didn't. But maybe earnings and something, you know, maybe if they say the the term artificial intelligence 77 times in their earnings release, then it will get people to, you know, see it as one of those plays. But as of now, it, it definitely seems to be left out of the pack. Saw on uh, the Nancy Pelosi ticker tracker on Twitter that the ranking vice president of foreign affairs committee bought $45,000 of Qualcomm, which is public information. She's on the foreign affairs. And those trackers are always fun. But then I look at how like Pelosi had sold. Everyone was giving her so much shit. Maybe she's like, you know what? I'm going to fake one. So they, they get off my back. A yeah. Little. Take a couple losses. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, when you, uh, if you have all the answers to a test, you got to get one or two wrong. And that could be why. It feels like for the first time in a long time, people are starting to want to put money back in the market. And, it, and it's always one of these funny things that they see the stocks go up and then they want to get into it. So we got a question from Stephen in Vermont. Stephen is asking, is this recent growth in the market sustainable or is it just a fake out? I mean, only time will tell with that. It's really hard to Come on, that's two pieces of the answer. <laughs> I mean, it's it's already been what we've been rallying like since October. I saw something like 200 something days of a rally. I mean, it's been nice to see some big names move up. But then I also heard someone say that 118% of the gains in the market this year are driven by eight companies. And I want to say they just mean like the S&P 500. It could just be the NASDAQ when they're talking about it. But it makes sense. That's going to be Microsoft, NVIDIA, Meta, you know, all the big players that are driving all of these gains. So a lot of companies haven't made all that significant moves or, you know, they made significant moves, but the market cap in the weighted index just is not significant enough to actually be much. So yeah, it seems like the mega caps are, are leading all of this, but valuations definitely seem more reasonable than they were. I think we, the selling just got overdone and this is the market normalizing itself. While specific names are taking off, like your NVIDIA and Microsoft driven by AI. But in the same breath, AI definitely feels like it's getting a bit extended to where it's very metaverse where, you know, everybody's entering the metaverse and their stocks are taken off based on that. So it's very important to make sure you're only investing in legitimate players within the space, not someone that just, you know, like back when we had blockchain or something taking off and companies were changing their names just to have the word blockchain in it. Like, look for those established players that actually are doing something within the space and then check the valuation and see, okay, does this have room to run or does it not? And one of the big spaces I've been seeing is cybersecurity, where a lot of those stocks are up significantly from their lows, but are still very attractive on the valuation front. Yeah, so well, I, would def I would say... Based on where the market is, it could, but it's still very much a stock picker's market. So you got to be very picky with picking your horses. We got a question here from Big Berman out of LA. Uh, Big Berman is asking, the stock market over the past 18 government shutdowns had very little impact. Why is everyone talking about this one having more impact if the debt ceiling does not get raised? So that is a very good question. And there is a difference between a government shutdown and a default. So I would point you say, you know, Google some valuable sources or, or some reliable sources so you can see what the difference is. But there has been four government shutdowns, I want to say it could be five over the last 30 years. 
but the U.S. has never defaulted on its debt, meaning failing to pay its bills. So that's why they're looking at this default as something like we just can't do. And I definitely think that they'll reach the deal because it would be catastrophic if they didn't. So both sides, Republicans could try to want to make the Democrats look really bad because they've got the president in office, but that would mean screwing over like all Americans and doing so. And I don't think anybody really wants that. It is kind of funny, the whole debt thing. They're like, all right, we owe a trillion or whatever. (laughs) It's all fake money and it's ridiculous. It's like, you're already 30 plus trillion dollars in debt. Like you're never digging out of this hole. You could print your way out of it. Inflation's already out of control. What's printing more? And that, and that's the other wild thing. It's like, oh, you want to pay your bills? It's like, you're going to just print more money to do it. So I don't know. It's funny that we even have a debt ceiling, but it's also comical that we have this much debt. Love the questions, pounders. Keep them coming. Send us a DM or shoot us an email at host at poundingthetablepodcast.com. God, I sound like a radio host. Uh, Let's move into earnings for next week. So nothing really big Monday or Tuesday. Obviously, Monday, the market is closed. Happy Memorial Day. Wednesday, we got some big ones, though. Salesforce, CrowdStrike, Okta, C3AI, Chewy, another name we haven't really touched on. Uh, And then Thursday, we got Zscaler, Broadcom, Lululemon, MongoDB, Sentinel One, Asana, Uh, So we got a lot here going on with cybersecurity. I think that is the big focus for Sentinel One, Zscaler, and uh, CrowdStrike coming up. Yeah, that's definitely going to be the theme of the week. And Palo Alto Networks reported recently, and it was an incredible quarter, very strong guidance. So that kind of got people pumped up about the cybersecurity space. CrowdStrike and Sentinel One both, you know, they use the AI term quite a bit when they're talking about, you know, their technology and their platforms and how they combat cyber attacks. So I'm surprised that those haven't been pushed more on, you know, like the rise of AI. But I own both of those, both CrowdStrike and Zscaler, because, you know, I've owned CrowdStrike for years, but Zscaler, a couple months back, as it cracks like below 100, the valuation made perfect sense. The cash flow is very strong. And then they already kind of upped their guidance for the current quarter. So that's why the stock rebounded from upper 80s to where it is now, like around, I think, 120, 130. So now they just need to, you know, beat what they had said and then give strong outlook on the rest of the year. And that stock could continue to take off. But because of Palo Alto, CrowdStrike and Zscaler, I'm looking much deeper into Sentinel One. You know, I traded it over the last two weeks, but, you know, haven't held on to it. But it's one that, you know, is still growing revenues. I think the outlook for the current year is over 50%. It was over 80% last year. And... They're saying they'll be profitable in 2025. I don't know if they mean like a single profitable quarter before becoming profitable for the full year in 2026, or if they'll be profitable for the full year 2025, I'll have to pull that. Mm. But that's another one where, you know, it's a much smaller player than CrowdStrike and Zscaler, but the growth is very impressive and where that company could go. So I'm very interested to see what they say. And, you know, Lululemon, they've just kind of been treading water, but that is by far, you know, like the brand of millennials to where I, I definitely think that that that's one that I'm hoping misses and tanks just so I can start building a position. So Bard is amazing, by the way. I just typed in how many times was AI mentioned in the last quarterly earnings report for Zscaler, CrowdStrike, and uh, Sentinel-1. 25 times for Sentinel-1, Zscaler 21, and CrowdStrike 10 times. So 
is it safe to buy stocks purely on how many uh, times AI has been mentioned in their quarterly? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that works for NVIDIA, but so I just had to pull it up. So Sentinel One. That's cool. You can do that on Bard, though. That's awesome. That is pretty cool. So full year 2023, Sentinel One posted 106% revenue growth, and it was 92% in the fourth quarter. And their outlook on full year 2024 is calling for revenue growth just over 50%. So I was right on that metric to where, yeah, it's it's a very impressive growth story over there, but they're still projecting non-gap operating margin of negative 25 to 29% in 2024. So that's the part where it kind of pushes me off. Uh, you know, I like companies that are actually producing cash flow and, and on the profitable front, but, you know, you do see the path to profitability with that one. So getting in before that is ideal, but it's one that I'm going to be digging into quite a bit this upcoming week and on the earnings release. So at least this podcast will be published before any of those moves are ever made. And I do not own it right now. Cybersecurity is a theme that's not going to go away, right? So there are any ETFs? I was just taking a look. With, it looks like I... Um, so the big one that I, I've always looked at is, yeah, it's ticker hat. But... I remember I had looked into it and I wasn't thrilled about like the allocations. So this is where I would say, you know, if you want cybersecurity, build your own ETF by, you know, buying the top players in it, which could be like, Avi, if you were building yours based on our conversations, yours would be like Palo Alto, CrowdStrike, Zscaler, and Sentinel One. Cause you know, you like all four of those companies. And if you want to exposure to cybersecurity, but don't want to pick a single one, yeah, spread it across those four. Create your own ETF um, within your portfolio, but no fees then either. No fees that way. All right, Joey, that about wraps it up. I think we kept it closer to 30 minutes, which is something we're trying to aim to do this season. Big shout out to Genzio who's helping us out on some of the social media and marketing pieces as well coming up. So this is an awkward man. I can't say so Tony. He's not here on this episode, but uh, he will be back. But I will say so Joey. What are your thoughts here heading into a beautiful Memorial Day with family and friends, of course? I'm going to echo what I've been saying for like the last year, maybe year and a half, is even whether it's a good time in the market, like it's been of late, rocky like it was for seemingly two years, you've got to keep it simple. So, you know, keep playing that KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid, and keep doing your homework. You know, this, the market seems like it's a lot better now, but it could turn on a dime. So just continue to put in the work. And as for this season, I definitely want to hear from everybody, whether you're going to tweet at us or email us, let us know what you want to hear more of on the show. Do you want us to dive deeper into the headlines, deeper into the earnings, specific companies with catalysts coming up? Tell us what you want to hear and we'll mold it into the episode. So, you know, we become a show of the people like we once were. Exactly. Everyone have a very a happy and healthy Memorial Day weekend with your family and friends. And of course, keep yeah. time in the day. Make good choices. Sliding. She want sushi, she want eel sauce for the